Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. And they found themselves surrounded by gunmen all over, and they were threatening. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. In Islamic countries, a form of torture is rape. So they will rape your wife to get information from you. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. We want to become all things to all people. I gave up living in a comfortable place. Christ forgave us, and we are doing the same. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. It's been an amazing year of watching God work from my seat here in the studio at Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Last week, we began looking back on some of the amazing conversations from VOM Radio in 2017. We're going to continue that this week. You know, it's been difficult to narrow down the highlights from the year because There have been so many meaningful programs about how the Lord is at work, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of persecution. The stories that we're about to hear are all about regular people, just like you and me, who have made a radical commitment to Jesus Christ, just like we can. For John Weaver, that commitment has involved traveling to Afghanistan— And it's involved some sacrifice of his time and his safety and his comfort. And for John and his wife, it included giving up a traditional American wedding. We made a lot of mistakes in Afghanistan, but our heart was we want to become all things to all people. So when I met my wife-to-be, we actually met in Afghanistan, and God put it on our heart to get married here in Afghanistan in a Christian way, but in a way that is totally Afghan. We did it in the afternoon, which meant during the day we fed the whole community, women in a totally different area, men in a totally different... I'm talking about over 1,000 people we fed. Wow. With no Walmarts, I mean, no <laughs> Sam's Clubs, I mean, no, no, no infrastructure at all, but it was done in an Afghan way through the help of the community. Then in the afternoon, we had the wedding ceremony. We actually had it between the two calls to prayer. You know, for those of you who know our Muslim friends, they pray five times a day, which is led by a call to prayer. So we did it in the afternoon in between those two calls to prayer so that we wouldn't be causing right. an offense. And also that was the best time for people to be able to come as well. It was all in the local language. No English was spoken at all. There were a lot of things that we did that were Afghan in terms of singing music, a little bit of dancing, because that's part of Afghan. One of the things that is so powerful, there was a lady who was a follower of Jesus who prayed in her local language, which was the local language of a lot of people that were in that gathering. And when she prayed, you could have heard a pin drop. And they were, one, just so surprised to see a lady pray, two, pray in their language, pray in a way that showed that she knew God, she loved God, and she was praying a blessing on this particular couple, us who were getting, getting married, and all the ripple effects and conversations and questions that came in the days and, and weeks and months I that followed. I would imagine some heads exploded yes. <laughs> when that happened. Like, whoa, wait a minute. This is a woman praying publicly in her own language to Jesus, yes. the God of the Bible. Exactly. But the fact that we did it in a way that honored their community, honored their culture, involved them from A to Z, it really embedded us even more so, rooted us even more so uh, in that particular culture. That's John Weaver, author, telling us how he and his wife 
followed Paul's example of being all things to all people in order that some might be saved. We've heard another story of radical commitment to the gospel this year on VOM Radio from Faisal and Carrie John. They're gospel workers in Pakistan, and a group from their church showed the love of Christ through some radical forgiveness. Faisal says this group had been doing a Bible distribution sponsored by VOM in some remote villages, and in order to get home, they had to travel through some especially hostile areas. One van load of the believers from his church were stopped along the road. And they found themselves surrounded by gunmen all over, and they start asking for money, what you have, everything they took, and they were threatening to kill one by one. They said, we need more. So our one of member team, who was a young and he's just so bold, he was with us, 13 years old man, young man. And he said, we don't have anything else. We gave you everything. We have Bible. He offered Bible. So they start yelling at him, throw the Bible down, and beat one of our member with the, with a the pump action butt on his neck. He got bruised. So we called the police and they came and reported. Then we start praying. So long story short, in within, within three or four weeks, Police find out the robbers, they arrest them, they took to the investigation, they confessed. We went and talked to them and saw the robbers and identified them. It was a little bit scary for the whole team to go back to the same places. But thank God, thank God through the investigation, we talked to the lawyer and they said, these robbers are going to prison for at least 13 to 14 years under the charges that they were doing against you. So what do you want to do? So the whole team was uh, praying and thinking, what should we do? How can we display the love of Christ to them? And a lawyer in the other side saying, oh, you can keep the charges and you can have more money from them, and they will still go to prison, and then later on ask more money. He was just talking in his lawyer lawyer skin. <laughs> He's trying to, you know, make also money for themselves, but we were not in that business. When judge says, you have all rights to say whatever you want, and they will go right away to the prison, and they will handcuff everything, and... One of our team member, his name is Rajesh. So he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As he quote the passage and he told the judge, We forgive them. So judge was shocked. It was almost like a, a picture. His jaw just dropped. All the lawyers are just looking shocked on their face, saying, we have never seen something like that. We have never heard something like that. Why do you do that? What an opportunity. Yes. They answered, they said, Christ forgave us, and we are doing the same to forgive our enemy, those who were going to seek harms for us. Wow. It was a powerful moment in that courthouse. They said, we never seen that. It was like you can hear a pin drops sound in that courthouse. And right away, judge canceled all the papers. They were right away in the courthouse, uncuffed, and those robbers start weeping. 
Stop weeping, they said. Nobody have done anything like to us. And our team member says, we are doing that because we were also forgiven. You know, Colossians 3 tells us, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Faisal John has been telling us how a group of our brothers and sisters in Pakistan has lived out that verse. Their example speaks to us. If they could forgive in that courtroom in Pakistan against the people who had attacked them, surely we can forgive in our own homes, in our workplace, in our churches. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're looking back on some of the most meaningful moments we shared together on the Voice of the Martyrs radio in 2017. One of the highlights for me was traveling to China and interviewing members of the underground church there. One of the brothers that we met in China, Brother Enfu, told us how challenging it is to function as an underground church. For instance, when people give to support the work of the church, where does the money go? You know, the church doesn't even legally exist, so of course they can't go down to the bank and open a bank account. So how do they deal with the tithes and the offerings of their members? And the challenge is where we keep the money, whose name should we keep the money with? Because you cannot have two joint accounts. Like in your country, you can have two joint accounts, but in China, one. And even husband and wives in China do not have two names in one account. Wow. So, so in the church, for example, if you are in our church and you are the treasurer, the money is kept with you in your name. Let's say we have $100,000 in your name. And lo and behold, you need an extra cash and you take the money and you run off. The church is in trouble. <laughs> thankfully, not thankfully, in our church, we have a man of integrity. They have not run away with the money yet. <laughs> with that sensitivity, with that challenge, how do we do church and how do we keep the money? How do we keep God's money? And I'm thinking even of the guy who all of a sudden $10,000 shows up in his account. If the government happens to notice that, they come see him and say, what are you doing? Where's this $10,000 come from? I mean, that could create some problems for him also as an individual, as well as the church as a whole. With a new regulation, definitely. They could see the money trail. They could see how come there's an extra $10,000 pop up in his bank account. They want to shut it down, take the money easily. So what we do is, uh, in our own church, what we have to do now is a healthy thing. We simply distribute the, the, the money to a few account. So that means one person will not hold all the money. Even that can be traced. So those men have committed to the church. They know there is a cost. I think the key thing is that most of our leaders know there is a cost to pay for doing church ministry. From the very beginning, the church suffered. Jesus' message about counting the cost, that's in his message. So everyone who believes in the gospel, who believes in Jesus Christ and his message, from the very beginning, they need to count the cost of following him. When we preach the gospel, we always tell the people that you are actually following Christ. And after you believe in him, bad things might happen. 
We are not telling you that you will have a wonderful bed of roses, things will get better, you will keep your job, you'll get married, you will have a lot of money. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Your family might disown you, just like what uh, the gospel talks about. Your family will come after you. Your boss might not like you because you're more honest now. You're not going to change the numbers in the accounts, which happens all the time here. And they will not like you. We have a sister, give you an example. One sister, the boss asked, Christian boss, asked her to change the numbers on the account. She said, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. And the boss says, how are you going to find a job here in this country if you're that honest? She said, I cannot do that. But if you insist, I changed my position. One month after that, she left the company. She said, I cannot work for a man who calls himself a Christian and asks me to change the numbers. What a godly sister. Uh, she will do what is right before God. Uh, this, is the man, this is the men and women of our, our, our people in the church. They count the cost that they will lose their job. Our families will not like what they believe because now they're Christians. So there's a cost. So it's very important that the church tell the people there is a cost. They're not surprised. They're, oh, after they believe that, oh, why bad things happen? Why my husband don't love me? Why my wife is this way to me? Why my kids is like this? They count the cost. So counting the cost is the message of Christ as well. That's Brother Infu. He is the pastor of an underground church in China, reminding us of something important. Following Jesus involves a cost. It's true for all of us, but our brothers and sisters in China are living that calling out in, in some really radical ways. Another brother that we met in China learned how to count the cost from his own family members, from his father and his grandfather. Their example was a huge encouragement to him when he was arrested for delivering Bibles illegally in China. My grandfa grandfather was a minister, was a pastor, and also he's a, he, he was a, a missionary from uh, Kobe province to Inner Mongolia. So he, has, he had been in a in prison for 10 years, over 10 years. And he faced the persecution. And I mean, 10 years for him that uh, was, and compared with other leaders at that time, uh, it was short. I mean, my father was a deacon in the church and uh, he faced the persecution and threatening by a lot of people. He refused to uh, join, you know, the uh, state church. And when I was a little kid and he was ready every, every time, because you know, at that time we we didn't have a lot of cars in in China, and every time you see you see a car, that means some people important coming. So every time we heard we hear a, the cars engine or we saw cars coming towards our village, my father would tell my mother, "Okay, prepare my clothes. I'm ready to be taken away." I grew up like that. I grew up like that. And personally, for me, and I personally experienced like for at least four times of being detained. So each time at least 15 days. And my co-workers and we, we faced, we experienced the same. And some of them being sentenced like three years or even more, you know, longer time. Let, let me ask you about the first time you were detained for 15 days. How did you respond to that? Or what happened in your heart and mm -hmm. in your faith as you went through that experience, which, like you say, your grandfather spent 10 years right. in prison, your father was ready to be arrested. So now you're kind of going through what you've seen others go through, but yeah. how did it change when it was you, when it was your experience? The first reaction for me is privilege. 
I am finally, I'm like my grandfather. The interesting thing is, you know, the five years of his uh, president was in Hebei province, and the, what happened to me was in the same province and very close to where my grandfather was. So I, I just, I felt like, you know, I'm so privileged, and in my family, this is, many years ago, my grandfather was here and suffered for the Lord, and today I am here. So I just feel the privilege, and uh, also my father is like, he was, so he was so happy. He said, many years ago, I came here, I came here to pick up your grandfather, and today I'm picking up you from the same province, very close to each other. So he, he, he was like, Lord, thank you. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We've just heard from a brother who helps VOM deliver Bibles in China. He has counted the cost. He has taken up his cross. He's been telling us about the way his father and his grandfather lived out an example of how to count that cost and take up their cross and serve Christ, even when it includes going to prison. We're reviewing some of the best moments from the Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2017. You know, we often have guests that uh, we don't use their whole name, or in some cases we give them a fake name in order to protect their security. One of the guests that we had this year on VOM Radio, we just called him Ali to protect his identity, and we actually had to disguise his voice for security reasons as well. You see, he and his wife are gospel workers inside Iran, and they've both learned what it means to lay down their lives and accept radical discipleship. Well, let me tell you my wife's story. My wife was radically touched by Christ. That Voice of the Martyrs did a reenactment of it. You guys can check it out. Just go to YouTube and type Padina's story, and that will come up, her story. But I asked her a question, you know, because in Islamic countries, as you know, a form of torture is rape. And so they will rape your wife to get information from you. So I asked my wife, I was like, look, if they rape you, what do you want me to do? You know, I love you. I love the Lord, but I love you, you know, so I want to make sure we're on the same page. Even if that means I have to do things that are difficult. And she told me, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to stand for the Lord because I will stand for the Lord. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, I gave up living in a comfortable place. I gave up having a child, and if they come and rape me, I will give up my body, like it says in Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice, as an act of worship. Wow. Now listen to me. That's, that's heavy. That's hardcore. And it's because she's been touched, you know, and I've been touched, you know. I think having an encounter with Christ, experiencing him, always, you know, excuse the, you know, the pun trumps, you know, knowledge is experiencing the God in such a tangible way that you become a Jesus freak, experiencing God in such a tangible way that you become crazy. A lot of people even maybe taught things this when they hear my story, they're like, man, you're crazy. Why'd you even do what you've done? And I think that's actually a good litmus test <laughs> to know if you're a disciple or not is, are you crazy? Do people think you're crazy? Because when you follow Jesus, it's like our new 
internal tagline inside of the ministry will offer you everything except boring. And that's what God does. He will give you everything except boring. So if your life is boring, if your walk with Christ is boring, I think you need to recheck that and re-look at that and see what's going on. And I really think you need to ask God to touch you again. Ali is calling all of us to complete obedience to Jesus Christ. And as he has learned to lay down his life and obey the Lord, whatever the cost, he has seen amazing things happening inside Iran. One day I was in a village, and then in the village, this man's like, hey, we need to go outside the village. So imagine going like 20 miles outside the village in a dirt road, no electricity, no power, no water, no running water, you know, nothing. Mud hut. I walk in this hut, and this man says this. Um, I have a story. Can you help me out? What's going on? I was like, sure, let me hear it. He's like a man wearing all white with long hair, and I couldn't look at his face because it was just so bright, would come into my house every night and ask me to write these things down. I was like, really? I was like, well, when you write it down, what happens? He's like, as I'm writing, I get tired because he tells me so much, and I fall asleep, and this man disappears. And then the next night, he comes again. And I was like, well, how long has this man been coming to your house? He's like, about 30 days, about a month. I was like, really? Can I see your notebook? Like, can I see what you've been writing down? He's like, yes. And the first page, Todd, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word became flesh. He had the whole book of John verbatim in his notebook. I have a picture of it. Wow. Jesus came and saw this man every day, and he was writing the book of John. And the, the powerful thing for me, Todd, was this, that Jesus had his hundred but the man didn't know who he was. So that shows us, my brothers and sisters, Jesus will do his part, but we still need to do ours, and we need to move the gospel forward in these dark, dark places of the world. Is that a common story in Iran? The, the, uh, the supernatural, the dream, the vision, the appearance of Christ, is that a pretty common factor in testimonies of Iranian believers? Oh, yes. You know, God is coming through dreams, visions, and power counters. The ministry I work for, uh, Global Catalytic Ministries, we're really the cleanup crew. Jesus is making a mess of the Middle East, and we're just trying to clean it up. So that's really what we do. You know, when God touches people, it's transformational. And I think that's another thing that in the West we kind of miss is that we hear about God. We hear head knowledge about God but we've never been touched by God. And so our whole priority and point is this, that we want to create a situation for God to be God and man to be man. Remember, Todd, if I remember correctly, it doesn't say that Todd and Ali bring people to Christ, right? I hope not. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but in the Bible it says God brings people to Christ. So we have to let God bring people to Christ because when God does it, it's transformational. But when we do it, we can't touch the mind, body, and soul the way the Holy Spirit can. So we just provide an environment that the Holy Spirit comes and touch these people and bring transformation. So yes, supernatural, dreams, visions, power encounters, healings, even emotional healing, spiritual bondage, even relational healing happens all the time because it's like First Kings chapter 18. There is another God by the name of Allah, but there is the God of the Bible. So. Jehovah, Jesus, will bring down fire to prove that Allah is a liar. Our guest Ali has been calling each of us away from a boring life 
to lay down our lives and follow Christ with complete obedience, to be disciples of Christ, those who are willing to die for him. Ali is a gospel worker in Iran. We disguised his voice to protect his identity. My complete interview with Ali and all of the guests that we heard today will challenge you and encourage you to live a radical life for God's kingdom. I hope you've been inspired by some of the highlight moments of these conversations from the past year here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And I want to encourage you, go online and listen to the entire conversations. You can hear all of these programs on our website, vomradio.net. Again, vomradio.net. You'll find all of our programs are archived there. And while you're there, subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast and make sure that you never miss an episode in 2018. Next week, we're going to hear from Jim Dow, who has seen God do amazing things while he has served as the president of the Voice of the Martyrs. Have a happy new year and come back and join us again next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.